Listening to Sometime in Long Island City, a podcast from the blog of the same name. This edition is the fourth in the series of artist portraits and features Queens based singer songwriter Shelley Bouchan. I talked to Shelley about her life and her music. Okay, Shelley, where are you from? Um, I'm from Texas, actually. Okay, yes. All right. I was born in Houston and um, then we moved to Dallas when I was probably about nine ish and then uh, I moved to Austin to go to college and um, stayed there for a while but my, my family still lives in Dallas so I guess I'm considered a Dallasite but a lot of people a Dallasite yeah, some people <laughs> but a lot of people want to consider me an Austinite which I don't mind um, I don't mind that either but okay. I've been in New York a long time now so I think I've crossed over All right. okay. <laughs> I, think I'm a, I think I'm a real New Yorker now so how long have you been in New York um I've been here 12 plus years. Okay. I moved here in 2000. Yeah, and I've been here ever since. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, family in Texas still? Everybody's still down there? Yeah, my, my mom and dad are still in Texas. My brother, um, his wife. So, you know, we're a small family. My parents aren't from the States, so mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of just our little nuclear thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. where are they from originally? My um, dad is from India, uh -huh. and my mom is from Mexico. And they moved here in their 20s and, you know, have been in the States ever since. My brother and I were born here. And, um, but, yeah, you know, they're very, they, they come from very, very different cultures. They so. met in the uh, city of love, Lafayette, Louisiana, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, where else would it be? Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, um, it was interesting being a... Uh, child of immigrants growing up in Texas, which is, you know, it's definitely got its own flavor and it's very different. Although it has a, 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 a Hispanic vibe just because there is a lot of Mexican population and, and culture that's influenced in Texas or that, that actually you find in Texas. So the Indian thing was a little bit different for sure. Mm, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. So that probably meant that you were brought up in quite a mixed kind of musical environment where your parents, did they play much music at home? Do, um, they, do they play instruments or do they have cassettes, records, whatever? Yeah, my, my, um, my family, we, they're not musical in, in terms of they, I didn't come from a musical family. Um, they don't play instruments, they don't sing or anything like that, but we did listen to a lot of music in our house. Mm -hmm. um, I remember we had records on all the time and I listened to a lot of pop radio. I mean, I grew up on pop radio. Um, I remember my dad would sometimes play some Indian music in the house, and I would get really mad at him. And I'd be like, turn it off! And he'd start laughing. Um, and my, my mom would sometimes play some of her music from Mexico. But So I had a little bit of that, but we definitely listened to a lot of pop radio. Okay. So what kind of things do you remember listening to? Um, I remember listening to... Um, the Carpenters. I listened to a lot of Michael Jackson. Um, my parents had a really crazy record collection. They had America, Hair, Andy Williams. Um, there was a little bit of classical, other things like that. I mean, we we, we listened to everything. Daryl Hall, John Oates. You know. So did you, do you remember finding stuff and wanting to play stuff that was in your parents' record collection you wanted to play it over and over again? Did you Anything that particularly took your fancy from well, that time? Well, in my, in my very early stages, um, I definitely fell in love with Karen Carpenter. A lot of people don't know that about me, but she was kind of my first singing inspiration. You know, a lot of people um, think of that as a very sort of like, you know, soft rock, sort of vibe but I thought she had the most amazing voice and I just remember listening to her being like wow I just love how like warm and beautiful 
she sang and like the songs were great and I just remember wanting to sing along with her. I've been so many places in my life and time I've sung a lot of songs, I've made some bad rhymes I've acted out my love on stages With 10,000 people watching But we're alone now and I'm singing this song for you of me is what I hope to be I've treated you unkindly but darling can't you see neighbor her ex-husband worked for RCA and they were still really good friends so he would bring over records all the time so I listened to a lot of Dolly Parton and I listened to a lot of Kenny Rogers you know I grew up listening to a lot of different music but um, Michael Jackson was huge I remember the Thriller album I remember like just opening that up and just staring at the inside while listening to it on repeat over and over again I mean that was a it was a huge huge album in my life Did you learn something at school or at home? Or um, well, do? I mean, I've been singing since since the day I was born. You know, singing is my first instrument. It's the first thing that I ever, ever did in terms of, like, being involved in music. You know, my dad um, used to say that I would stand on the street corner just in our cul-de-sac and just stand there and sing for people. I used to go over to the neighbor's house and sing on their... Um, 
sing on their fireplace. It was just kind of what I did, and I didn't really think anything about it, you know? So that was singing, but also performing. Yes, exactly. So would you say that you're a performer from the day you were born? I would think so, yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's like two sides of me. I, I think this a lot, that there's the performer side of me that needs to be up there and just needs to feed off of people. It's, it's such an energetic, emotional journey for me. And then there's the singer that I could care less if I'm singing for anyone except for myself. You know, you just kind of get lost in, in yourself and, and it's, it's, it's a soothing, emotional, very personal thing. I'm even getting like emotional. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very important for you. Yeah, it yeah. is. I don't even know why I'm so much about it. <laughs> it's so weird. I don't normally get emotional talking mm. about those things. But I found a way to, I mean, it wasn't really that I found a way. It just happened very organically that that's, that's what I kind of put two and two together. And, and then, you know, the singer is born, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it wasn't like, I didn't really have any training in the beginning. I just took music classes at, at school. I went to public school. Texas has a really great um, fine arts program. They love football and fine arts, especially their singers. And so, you know, I, I went to music class often and, and then joined a choir and, you know, the rest is history, you know. And then I started learning more and, um, you know, I remember when I moved to Dallas, um, they had an after-school program that had a choir, and I remember asking my dad, Dad, can you take me after school? Because it, you know, it would require more time for him. And he was like, yeah, I'll totally take you. And, and at that point, I think, like, I look at that as that that changed my life in terms of really getting into singing. Right. So the availability of that extra thing yeah. outside of school. When yeah. you were how old? I was nine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and that's when I was exposed to, like, real music and like, you know, real sheets of music started learning what that meant. I had taken piano for about a year when I was little, but I had never really had any sort of exposure to notes. But I remember going to church with my mom and always pulling out the, uh, the missalette um, and just like looking at the notes going, God, I wish I could, I wish I could know exactly how to, how to sing this. And, you know, my mom bought me this book at the dollar store and just staring at music notes and just wanting to be able to to do that and then, you know, to really be able to finally do something that you always wanted to do even as a very small person, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's great. Mm. <laughs> so you said you, you learned piano when you were smaller. Did you have a piano at home? Yeah. Um, our next door neighbor, um, they, they had two children and, and they were taking piano lessons and um, the, the eldest the son, he was really good, and, and I was like, oh, I really want to take piano, so my parents found one in one of the classified ads, and they bought one for me, and so I took piano for, for a little while. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't everything I wanted it to be. It was hard. I don't think I practiced enough. I don't think it was my instrument, although I sometimes joke around now and feel like I have a kinship with the piano, even though I'm not a very good pianist. I've started writing more on piano, and I feel like it's something that you can really feel. It's a very... It's a very alive instrument, it's like guitar. But um, I remember towards the very end, right before we were gonna move to Dallas, we couldn't take the piano with us. And I remember the uh, piano teacher, she was a little nutso, she uh, said to me, she's like, you need to practice and learn to play piano because one day if you get divorced, you're gonna have to find a way to pay your bills. And I was like, wow, okay. That was a little traumatizing. (laughs) Plus, I also, I remember going to a a recital and I totally bombed. And after that, I was like, never again. But um, a couple of years ago, I started started dabbling in in the piano again and playing it out live every now and then. And that was like, oh, wow, I conquered my fear. This is interesting. So now I feel like me and the piano can get along again. Something, something I can feel 
Guitar. Um, I suppose now it's my principal instrument. I wouldn't have said that a long time ago. Um, uh, my parents gave me money to buy a guitar when I was in college because I wanted, I had this like fantasy to like play the guitar and be, you know, a rocker. And um, so I got the money and I went and I bought this Yamaha and I brought it home. And it was really the first time I'd ever touched a guitar and I was like oh my gosh that really hurts my fingers uh, and I didn't know what I was doing and didn't understand how to play chords and so you know I put the guitar down and kind of didn't really go back to it and I didn't really pick up the guitar until um, 2002 so um, I had moved to New York in 2000 to front a soul rock band I had sold everything I owned um, had no job, no nothing. I just moved here for this band in an ad that I found in the Village Voice. 
we had done quite well. We we're starting to get label attention, and then we broke up just because we just couldn't couldn't. I think we all had different expectations of what we ultimately wanted, you know. Um, and at that point, I realized I didn't have any material at all that was my own. I had never been a writer. I had always thought of myself as a singer only, and I was very content with that. You know, I, I, I loved singing more than anything in the world, and, and so, but at that point, I felt very lost, and I was like, I moved here, and now I have nothing, and I don't want to sing covers as my main thing. I don't want to I want something that's mine and I don't want anybody to take that away from me. So I started writing and that's when I picked up the guitar and I learned a couple of chords and really struggled through and, you know, would pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down. And I would say over the past year, my guitar playing has developed substantially. Um, I used to always couch every, every show when I'd whip out the guitar and kind of say, well, I'm not really a guitar player. Um, but now I don't say that anymore. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so it's good. The guitar is is great, and it's been an amazing. It's been amazing to play another instrument and not just depend on vocals and writing songs in my mind. Or, I mean, I had written on guitar before, but to really have more of an expansive understanding of the instrument, so you're not so bound by your 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 parameters, your your small parameters. It it expanded for me, and also gave me a lot of joy to find myself in another part of music, not just singing. It's like there's a part of it where all of a sudden you become you become the bed of sound with, with the rest of the band and that's and it's very magical. It, it's different than singing. You become almost like the fiber in, in the cloth. You're not so much you're not you don't you don't stand out so much. So it's sometimes nice to just kinda sit back and enjoy it. So you've been playing the guitar for 10 years. About? Well, about that? Yeah. I would say I've been playing it for a year now, oh, but, okay. but right. you know. So you're taking but, it seriously more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. No, but you're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I've been, I've been really bad at it. Yeah, yeah. I've been really bad at it for nine years, and I've yeah. gotten better at it <laughs> for the past year. So that's been really fun, and it's good to have that challenge. Yeah. So you talked about the music you listen to when you're living at home with your parents. Mm -hmm. What would you say has influenced you more recently? Well, I mean, I think the thing that I've always been after, and soul music has always influenced me a ton, um, especially old school soul, like old Aretha Franklin, um, Etta James, you know, just any of the 70s soul stuff. Um, but I also grew up listening to a lot of alternative rock. And, um, and even, you know, recently, like, I try to at least listen to what's coming out of the indie scene. I find a lot of it really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, some of it really strikes my fancy in that there's, there's a part of it that's a little dark and dirty, and I, I, I like that. And I like this aspect of having some sort of grit in, in the music that I'm creating. I don't necessarily want it to be so polished in a soulful way. I, I need for it to have it's almost like having the black doily underneath, <laughs> underneath you mm -hmm. know, this plate of cookies. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, the past couple of days, I've been listening to a woman named Sharon Van Etten. Um, she, I, she's been playing out for a little while. Um, I found her on NPR, and she just released a new album. And um, it's, you know, a little crunchy, soulful, but not soulful. You know, it's got that real like rock indie vibe too. And there's one song in particular that's really stuck with me that I'm like, oh my God, I love this song. I'm listening to it on repeat. It's called Serpents.
course, I've been listening to Adele, because who hasn't? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, uh, I like a particular song on her album that hasn't been super famous. It's called He Won't Go. It's got like a real sort of like laid back, soulful 70s thing going on, which is really hot. It's super hot. And I'm like, wow, this is a very hot song. As I lose my mind Reminded by things I find Till I know some clothes you've left behind Wake me up Wake me up when all is done I won't rise until this battle's won My dignity's become undone But I won't go I can't do it on my own If this ain't nothing what it is I'm willing to take I'm so scared to step into this ride What if I lose my heart and fail the climb? I won't forgive me if I give up trying I heard his voice today I didn't know a single word he said Now I'm resemblance to the man I met Just a vague and broken boy instead But I won't go So, you know, I got a new um, iPhone and I, I transported a lot of my music on there mm -hmm. and I was kind of going through and and um, I, I listened to some old Aretha Franklin that I hadn't listened to in a long time and it, it, always, it always just strikes me as so interesting that when I listen to stuff like that, like my mind just totally locks in with that. I'm like, yes, this is so amazing. Like I was listening to Aretha's song, Prove It, you know, and I was like, oh, like, you know, my hands on my head going, oh my God, this song is so amazing, you know?
I was listening to um, some, some, what was it, uh, Graham Central Station. Um, and I was like, oh my God, it's crazy. Just, just listening to some of that old school funk stuff, like it's, it's interesting to me how much I connect with that on like a, it's almost like a physical, emotional level, but then it doesn't, I, I, I connect with some of the other stuff. I think a lot of the rock music, a lot of the indie rock, like in a cerebral way. And so ultimately what I've been after my entire musical journey as a songwriter was really being able to see if I could fuse both of those in, mm -hmm. in a proper way. And it's a very challenging thing because in a way they're very different. Mm -hmm. One's very cerebral and one's very emotional and sometimes they can't live in the same space or I find it's very hard, mm -hmm. at least for me. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of been what I've been after, especially lately I've been working on um, my fourth album and it's, you know, everybody says, my albums are an evolution from the last one before, but I really feel like it's evolved a lot. Like I've kind of left off a lot of the money shots that, that, I, that, I, that I do, you know, a lot of the super belting, like I've mm -hmm. kind of toned it down a lot, like even trying to do some things in my head voice. Not in, not because I'm trying to be different, but just because I want to, and I feel like it's just the right thing to do for the songs. It's just, they've changed, I've changed, I've grown mm. up a little bit, mm -hmm. I'm a more mature person. What was the first song that you wrote? Um, the first song that I wrote was called Birthday Suit, and it's on my um, second album called Picking Daisies. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, it was about um, being vulnerable, and, um, you know, being, is actually about being on stage for the first time after, you know, this breakup of this band. Like, the breakup of the band was like, you know, a breakup of a relationship. Like, it, it was so much a part of me. And, um, you know, the lyrics are dressed up in my birthday suit. It's the first day of my life. I don't expect you to understand. I've been here a thousand times. Like, you know. up in my birthday suit It's the first day of my life I don't expect you to understand I've been here a thousand times I am standing here alone And I feel so
also like a statement for me to kind of say okay it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to be exposed now you can start writing about your feelings now you can actually like blossom into a musician that maybe you were meant to be and you know truthfully the breakup of that band you know I, I talk about how when my dad took me to choir practice that changed my life like the breakup of that band changed my life because it set me on a course to actually really try and pursue an artistic endeavor more than just singing, yeah. like actually creation. Right. What was the band called? Live Honey. Okay, do they record anything? Mm -hmm. There's um, one album out there called um, Move Yourself. And um, it, was a, it was a great, great album. Um, you know, it had this sort of, in my opinion, this sort of like, jamish, jam bandy sort of soul rock flavor. It was very appropriate for the time. So this was my first time fronting like swing like jazz kind of yeah. swing. Okay. <laughs> it was my first first thing ever. I remember um, auditioning for it. Well, actually, I remember seeing the person who fronted the band before. I remember going to a gig and I was like, I want to be just like her. And um, she was she was beautiful and you know she just had this great presence about her. And um, I remember she was um, she was leaving the band. She was moving on, so they were holding auditions, and I was like. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. This is the biggest thing ever. And um, so I auditioned and I got in and I remember there being like, you know, 15, 20 girls auditioning. This was in Austin and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So, I mean, it was super fun. It was my first foray and like really being um, like a band leader or not, a, I wasn't the band leader, the trumpet um, person was the um, band leader, but you know, the lead singer. Five months, two weeks, two days. My love may been gone. Five months, two weeks, two days. My love may been gone. If you see my baby, please send him home to me. Hurry, home, home, baby. Hurry, home, home, baby. Hurry, home, home, baby. Hurry. 
singing waitress and that's kind of how I got into into this idea of just like becoming more more full frontal like I'd always sung pop music kind of like to my friends and you know in the shower in the car but you know in choir you you sing a lot of classical music we sang a lot of you know uh, you know, Mozart, Bach, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, anything like that. Very legitimate music, which I very much love, mm -hmm. but it definitely doesn't let you just like unleash, mm -hmm. you know. And when I was waiting tables, um, we were all hired to sing art song. And so I would walk around singing Italian arias and, you know, collecting tips that way while waiting tables. And I remember you know they used to have um, people come and people would wait for like hours just to get a table and they used to have like you know bachelorette parties and whatever come through and so they were rowdy and getting drunk at the table and I remember one time somebody asked me to sing I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor and I was like okay so I just like ripped it out in the middle of uh, you know in the middle of the restaurant and they handed me like a 50 and I was like whoa <laughs> this is what I should be doing you know, and it was fun. And, you know, I got to ham it up and I got to be who I, you know, who I felt more comfortable with. You know, it was kind of like there's the little explosion that kind of like mm. cracks, cracks mm. The, the shell, you know. And so then I started, you know, dabbling in this idea of being a front person. And, you know, so then I moved to New York and fronted this band. And, you know, we toured across the country and, you know, we... It was it was a it was a deep dive, a deep immersion in, into like really getting into this sort of music scene. You've got yourself as a solo artist, and you play with a band that's yes. your band, mm -hmm. and you also sing with others in your scene. wider wider scene. Yes, I did. I heard you the other night playing with little singing with little embers. That's right. And uh, you're in this competition for. Battle of the Boroughs at the moment, right? Where you're singing with, uh, you, you're the fronting up, but you've got people with you who 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 you sing with at other times, right? Uh, which is how you you get to Queens of Queens, and that's uh, and from your position, how did that develop for you? Well, Queens of Queens is kind of random in that um, Teresa from Little Embers reached out to me. I had kind of been dabbling in the Queen scene for a couple of years, but I had never really been part of a scene because I, you know, I had my own band and, you know, I, I don't know, we kind of felt like, eh, you know, we have, we're in our own little island. I don't need anybody else. It's fine. Um, and one day she approached me to sing some backing vocals for her and I was like, oh, okay. I hadn't really done backing vocals for someone in a long time, you know. I, I had done that a couple of times, but, um, you know, I I mean, and I'll, I'll do some session work here and there, and, but I was like, okay, well, yeah, that, that could be interesting. So um, I went and rehearsed with her a couple of times, and I barely knew her at all. I was like, hi, all these people that I've seen a thousand times, but I don't know who you are, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and so... Um, I joined her on a couple of songs, and it was super fun. Um, John, my husband, was like, wow, you guys sound really great together. And I was like, yeah, I guess we do. Um, so I was also um, writing a bunch of stuff, and um, I had this song um, called Never Let You Go, which will be on my fourth album. And I was like, wow, it would sound really cool if I could play it with vocals. So let me see if maybe Michelle, Janine, and Teresa would want to experiment with this. So I asked them, I said, hey, I have a gig coming up at the Rockwood. Would you guys consider maybe singing backing vocals on a couple of songs that I've written or new? And I think it would sound really great. And they said yes. So I brought them over, and I was actually like really scared because I, I don't normally deal with vocalists. Vocalists, you know, it's like when when you are trying to deal with a band situation, it can, for me, it can be very nerve-wracking because I'm like, okay, 
how do you get exactly what you want and also instruct people to maybe do something different to get what you want and you know these are all professionals and I you know I, I I'm always very careful about the way that I I try and approach things sometimes I think maybe I can be more direct but mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm working on that but um they came in and we did a couple of rehearsals and they sounded really great and I was like oh my gosh this is so great like this is so exciting like I love singing with vocals it brings me back to choir mm -hmm. you know and um I don't know it just kind of happened where where we kind of were talking about maybe it would be really cool if you know we did this thing where you know we would have each other back each other up but we would only like play or play a single instrument or whatever and it would just be the four of us and it would be really an interesting experiment to see how the same four people are so different even though we're all in the same situation so how different like a writer Teresa is versus Michelle versus Janine versus myself and you know just stylistically it's an experiment in, in a way and um, so it just kind of happened and we're like okay we kind of walked in thinking yeah this is maybe a one-shot deal and then people were saying wow this is really cool this is super fun um, you know you should do it again and we're like really Teresa and I are looking at each other we're like really sound okay I feel like she and I are like the most um, critical mm -hmm. like we both kind of look at each other we're like I don't know do we sound okay you know mm -hmm. but um, yeah it's been really fun it's been it's been fun because I, I love learning new music like I, I love like I feel like a sponge like when people give me new things I'm like oh I love just learning new things and the challenge of the vocals and just really feeling different styles it's fun it's super fun and it's and it's a great way to just be a part of something and not worry about it so much too <laughs>
have a consistent band that you play with now? I do. Um, my my consistent band had been until um, last summer. Um, John Celentano on drums, and he's my husband. Mm -hmm. um, Harry Cordue on bass, and Ben Hofstein on keys. Okay. Um, ben recently decided that he needed to take some time off. He has, you know, a lot of stuff going on, um, but he comes in and out sometimes. Um, and he's a great keyboardist and pianist, and he um, influenced me and and the group a lot. But um, yeah, we've been playing together forever. I mean, we so have do you see this as your band? Is it, are you the I mean, leader? I do. I am the lead. I, you know, I'm I'm the principal songwriter. I, you know, I I finance. I push. I I, you know, it, it comes from my point of view. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, like the previous album, Make Believe, it was a complete collaboration. All five songs on that were written by the four of us. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I definitely have this thing where I, you know, I I wrote the lyrics and the melody for for everything. But I believe in this butterfly effect. We definitely sort of improv off of each other. And if it was created in the room, then everybody gets equal credit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's how I see it. Just because I feel like it wouldn't be the same without that one person. Yeah. yeah. And and. Um, you know, so I mean, it definitely has a distinct point of view. Um, you know, but I, I've definitely written a lot of different ways. The previous album, Picking Daisies, five of the songs were not written by the entire band, and you know, I wrote them alone or with another co-writer. So it definitely comes from my point of view, and and um, but you know, I would be lying if I said that they aren't a huge part of mm, who I am. Yeah. I mean, it's like. Shelley Bouchon, the entity versus Shelley Bouchon, me. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, this next album, I did most of the writing on my own without them, um, and that's been a really interesting thing. Mm -hmm. And it's been good for me just because I felt like I needed to. I definitely um, composed this album in a different sort of way. Um, it wasn't so improvisational. It was definitely more contemplative, and I just used it. To totally different method to write this mm. album and I feel like it, it required me kind of like stepping back a little bit so it's been interesting I, I would say that the bulk of this album was written in the past like eight months okay so yeah quite fresh yeah very yeah. very I mean there's still some songs that we're still working out the arrangement but um, yeah I mean the guys are instrumental they've they've been the best music teachers that I've ever had mm -hmm. all three of them and um, you know. So when you're when you're writing a song, do you have a pattern where you think of the words first and then the melody the other way around? Do you play the chords? What, what, how does it? People how do ask me that all the time, and and I feel like it's different every single mm -hmm. time. I mean, like I have this song called Flickering, and um, I wrote the lyrics on that first, and then I just started fiddling around with the guitar, and I was like, okay you know, just started playing around and I was like, okay, well, what, what works here? And so it came to life that way. So it was lyrics first, you know, chords and then melody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a song called Digging in Deep that I wrote in my head. I could hear the chords, the melody, and the lyrics all at the same time. And I have the recording of me singing it into my phone while I was walking down the street. And it really hasn't changed since yeah. then. Um, so it really just depends on how how um, how the lyrics, how the inspiration strikes me. I mean, I would say, for the most part, the lyrics are more challenging for me than the melody. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I I, am a, I scrutinize lyrics a lot mm -hmm. um, because I definitely don't want them to seem what's the word trite. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, everybody, you know, music's the most subjective thing in the world, and I know that. Mm -hmm. But at least in my mind, it's got to feel like, you know, it really matters. And I really, really took the time to craft it, even if it's instantaneous. Like, for example, on Make Believe, um, there's a song called Mr. Unicorn that obviously the, the entire band created, and it was one improvisation and it never changed after mm -hmm. that. I may have 
changed like two mm -hmm. words, but the structure never changed, the words never changed, the arrangement never changed really. Um, Why don't you run, unicorn, like other horses? Is it because you have missed it? particular song of yours that you're most proud of that you'd say this is an example of my work if we had to choose one song mm. gosh it changes every time yeah. mm. because we change so much I mean well beautiful me was um, is, is one of those is pretty honest mm. song it was a uh, about, you know, as a woman, you know that you're flawed and um, you wonder if the world sees you as flawed mm. as you see yourself. Mm, mm. And then also getting to a point where you're kind of like, well, I don't, I mean, I care, but I don't care because this is who I am and you kind of mm. have to accept me for that. So from, you know, the standpoint of being very honest about my feelings about myself and being actually kind of scared to say it in public. Mm. I remember the first time I played it in public, I was blushing mm. and I was like, I don't know if this is yeah. a good idea. Um, but you know, I think a lot of people connect with that song. Mm. So I think that's definitely a gold standard. Um, What do I look like 
not your image of a perfect model. So what does that mean? That I can't have a sexy little water. That these big brown eyes and thin hair will impair me from getting me somewhere. That my only hope is to get up with a diet and a makeup bottle. Strutting down nice and slow With a million different places to go I see you looking at me Am I the woman that you thought you'd see? Cause I got my shit intact Let me tell you that I like it like that This is who I want it to be Oh yes, beautiful me Beautiful me, beautiful me, beautiful me, oh, beautiful me. This is for every girl, challenged by the two-way mirror, distorted so much that we can't be sure of what's reality. So don't let them wash your brain Beauty's something we all contain So get out there and be your star Stand up and be who you are You've been listening to Artist Portrait featuring Shelley Bouchan. In the show, you heard music from Sharon Van Etten, Serpents, Aretha Franklin, Prove It, The Carpenters, A Song For You, Adele, He Won't Go, and Michael Jackson's Human Nature from his album Thriller. You also heard Shelley herself singing Birthday Suit and Beautiful Me from her album Picking Daisies, Make Believe from the album of the same name, and My Unicorn from that album, Once in a While from her album with her early band Wild Honey on their album Move Yourself, 
I'll Never Let You Go from a live recording of the Queens of Queens at LIC Bar. You also heard Shelley in a track, Five Months, Two Weeks and Two Days, with the swing band One O'Clock Jump, who were also featured in the opening music in a mellow tone. Shelley's appearing at the LIC Bar on the 5th and 12th of August this year. She's also appearing at the Living Room on July the 27th, Rockwood Music Hall on August the 26th, and the Shrine in Harlem on November the 17th. This is Eric Hathaway bidding you farewell from another of the Artist Portrait series. Sometime in Long Island City is a non-profit-making community venture. <laughs> 